Welcome to Kineo Stream of Thought, a monthly podcast that features informal chat from the Kineo team about all things learning. I'm Paul Wesley, Solutions Consultant at Kineo, and today we're looking at the value that digital credentials can add to your organisation. Today I'm pleased to say I'm joined by Jez Anderson, Head of Consulting, and Nina Brebner, Account Director. Well, welcome. So, um, Credentials, that's what we're here for. We're hearing a lot and reading a lot about digital credentials and badging and skills assessment. And to be honest, I think those terms are very much becoming very interchangeable. So uh, maybe we can start with the obvious question. What exactly do we mean when we say digital credentials? I think it's interesting that you use the word badges and credentials. And, and there's, it's moved a long way from when badges started, you know, really on the, on the back of gaming. Um, that we're now in a world where credentials are the new language, the new way of describing what a badge used to be. Whereas, so a badge used to be about performance and achievement. You know, you hit a level, you got a badge for hitting that level. And over the time, we've digitally we've adopted that thought, that that mentality around acquiring a digital marker for achieving something. Like a sticker. A sticker, yeah, a, a badge, ultimately. Um, credentialing goes far much further than just a badge. It goes much, much deeper than that. It provides a lot more information um, in a digital format. And what sort of information would be included then? So if you think about a badge and what a badge does, a badge is a physical representation of something. That it's, you've reached a standard. That you've hit a standard. That you've hit some sort of standard that somebody else somewhere understands, respects and gets, really. And what a credential does is it provides information around that standard digitally, behind it. Yeah, I think an interesting, you know, uh, description from Jez around what credentialing is. And I think what also helps to understand it is where where it's used most commonly. We we see it in academia, very simply, and in being able to issue credentials against the qualifications that people are receiving in academia. Um, We've seen a huge growth of it through vocational learning um, as part of um, apprenticeships and other forms of qualifications. And now what we want to see is really see the corporate market um, take on credentials as part of then that final stage of people's learning as part of their career journey um, so that we see credentials being released alongside performance and behaviours and skills that people acquire mm. in their day-to-day work environment that more commonly might actually just be unrecognised altogether but they are ultimately valuable to the whole story of that person and their capability. So at one level then it could be the O-levels and A-levels that I've got. Is, is, is that what we're saying? So that could be, is that a credential? Is that a skill? Is that a badge? Is that a sticker? I mean, down the line, you know, that level of academic um, digital, qualif- you know, recognition is, you know, there's a potential. There's a reality of that. I think where we are is that much more in the sense that if you go on a course, so if you go on a project management course, for example, that at the end of that course, you have done some work, okay? You yep. might have done some series of structured formal learning you might have gone off and done some project work you might have uh, taken part in a project yourself as part of it and at the end of the day what a digital credentials is it, it wraps all that up it says that this is what you've done well done here you go it's accredited what you have actually achieved and what you physically carried out and done yourself in a badge format in a credential format so when somebody else goes into it so you know employer john wants to employ mary who's done that course 
John can look at Mary's digital credential for project management and go, oh, okay, so you used prints, or you used the principles of um, lean principles as part of that. Oh, I get that. Well, that helps because we use that in our workplace, so that works for me. So rather than it just being like an O-level certificate, which is great, you know, I'm showing my age, but it's, it's that. You so don't know what the person did to achieve exactly. that, really. It's you just words on Who marked it, who was the awarding body, whatever it may be. Okay. Right, and and it's, it's also a more secure form of validation. You know, we can all forge certificates. We shouldn't, but it is possible. People um, do that. Kind of <laughs> and, and interestingly, we hire people on the basis of just their personal word, what they yeah, put yeah. in their CV, what they put on their LinkedIn profile. The whole endorsement thing on LinkedIn kind of got watered down by the fact that you get endorsed by people who have never even met you before, so they can't really validate your capability in that space. And digital credentials creates a much secure space for that, where you can now be confident that that has come from either an individual, an organisation or an institution, that it was issued on a particular date, that it holds a particular standard to it. And that ensures that you're not just having to take people's words for things. You've got something that's much secure in its delivery. The digital credential itself is like an empty container and it could hold a lot of data. So I'm assuming from what you're saying, Jez, that data could be, you know, when I took this, what I had to do, what evidence I had to show, who marked it, whatever it may be. So who can create those credentials, though? Is okay. It... Well, pretty much anyone can create can create a credential. That's pretty dangerous, though, surely, because it means well, we well, could hand them out like sweeties. Well, yeah, in essence, you could. The reality of it is it's the value that that credential has, not only for the individual who's earned it, but for the organisation that's issued it. And that's where you start to get deeper into the difference between a badge and a credential. So a badge, anyone, you know, played a game, hit a level, got a badge, great, you know, I'm good at that game earned a credential working for a certain organisation, that organisation might have face value. So if it's Rolls-Royce, for example, or if it's IBM, or if it's Shell, or whoever it is, if they've issued a credential about project management... It's got some kudos. It's got some kudos. So all of a sudden it becomes valuable and you've created a currency around that. So, yes, anyone can do it, but Jez Anderson's personal credential on being a great guy has no real value... But if I was an IBM, um, if I'd done a piece of IBM training and I'd earned an IBM credential, all of a sudden I've got a piece of currency that I can take anywhere in the world that will look at it and go, this is really valuable because Jez understands blockchain and he can do that. So it changes the dynamic of actually what's in that mati- what, what that credential stands for and how to use it. And I think it's interesting to point out that we, we shouldn't be frightened of issuing credentials for slightly softer things as well. There's the... There's, you know, your qualification is, is your, your, your easy representation because it has a clear standard and a clear issuing against it. There's your kind of middle ground, which is what goes on in an organisation and how that's measured, such as what might come out from a competency framework or a compliance framework, etc. But there's also, it's okay for us to also be issuing credentials against just what people have done or knowledge that they've acquired, and that may not have quite the same rigorous standard against it, but you make sure that the credential outlines the fact that it didn't hold a very rigorous standard against it. So we've got one customer, for instance, who the very lowest end of their badges is the fact that you... Uh, went to a webinar you read something Mm. so that's their kind of what they call their knowledge badge which is just that you have attained some kind of knowledge but then you have to go up into you're able to um, prove an understanding of that knowledge and you're able to then show in practice 
that knowledge and those are their three levels then so even without there being a rigorous standard you're still applying some form of standard that says this is just knowledge and and, and i guess from what you're saying then so so clients could mix and match to a certain extent so they could have I guess to a certain extent they could use badging on the learning management system to say so-and-so has completed this bit of e-learning or has, has read this PDF or watched this video, whatever it may mean. Whereas they, those sort of smaller levels, if you like, all build up to into one overall credential which we give at the end, which could be, I don't know, leadership. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's, there's, there's really, really interesting good examples of how you can look at individual badge structure. So City and Guilds, for example and see my skills mm-hmm. is a great example of recognizing individual competencies what's, sorry what's see my skills so see my skills is our you know city and guilds is um it's 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 our method it's our it's our system of, of badging certain behaviors certain characteristics which we value as an organization mm-hmm. and an individual demonstrates that to a panel the panel says yes i approve that i've hit a standard and they issue an individual badge that badge stands alone ultimately you also look at membership organizations um, and a membership organisation can potentially look at it, different levels of membership, different types of knowledge base that are within that, different experiences required to do that at those different levels. So it becomes much more complex, a much more co- complex taxonomy of different badging types, structures, names. So there's a, it can do an awful lot than just, there's your badge, you know, pin it on your arm. And I think there's an interesting point in what you're saying is that... Uh, this isn't just about attack you know organizations have frameworks for supporting skills and objectives so we have competency frameworks which clearly outline a role requires a certain level of competency and we then identify whether the individual sat in that role holds that level of competency we all go through performance processes which are about helping us to perform against a particular objective which is normally driven by a vision or a goal within the business so those things are all kind of business as usual but what's interesting is what we don't have the true ability to do at the moment is to create portability in skills both from one business to another or inside an existing business so it's the fact that we often start the conversation by asking the question of what hidden skills yeah. you know, do you have as an individual that would be useful to your organisation but aren't necessarily directly mapped to the role well, They're never going to know unless they specifically ask you, are they? Or you tell them. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's no way of capturing that information. And so actually a company fails to make the best use of its staff because there's an abundance of skills an individual will have which will never, ever be visible to that organisation. So credentials enable us to actually unearth a lot of hidden skills in people which don't directly align to the immediate objectives to the business but could be incredibly useful in a week, month or year's time when there's a particular need or a need to plan for succession in skills, yeah, etc. Picking up what you're saying here, I mean, that, that, that's, that's a crying shame because when they are looking to fill a specific role, the chances are they've got someone in the business who could have those skills or those credentials, not necessarily from the role they're in right now, but maybe it's from a previous employer, something they did at college before they even came into the, the workplace or in or whatever it may be. But they're never going to be identified, never going to see that, are they? So without jumping ahead, there's an advantage to businesses as well as individuals in create in in um, achieving credentials. Is that what we're saying? Yeah, I mean, I think businesses can apply lots, take lots of use from from applying a credentialing system or a credentialing approach to how they look at managing and supporting their talent. 
And it, you know, and I think if you overlay it against a talent development strategy and start to think of it from that perspective rather than just being about an individual reward or something like that, it becomes something much more powerful where you can start to look at how do you understand and know what talent you have within your business. It's a, it gives you a, a codified way of understanding what that looks like. And if I can play devil's advocate for a second, because that's pretty much my job, um, does that not make businesses um, nervous that basically they are helping someone prove what skills they have and therefore they, you know, because ultimately it's easy for that, easier for that person to then move on to another role with someone else, isn't it? Yeah. So what, what's would, it for a business to do that? I would that? argue that they would leave anyway. Yeah. And if, I think, if you're I think, not investing in their skills and their personal development, they I will think, leave anyway. I think so. it's, a, it's an interesting argument. I think it's an argument that's been had lots of time around do you develop it people generally? And the key is, is, a, is it better to develop good people and have them and they can demonstrate their value or not develop bad people who you keep hold of who can't demonstrate their value? And I think, you know, organisations will argue that and continue to argue that point. Our experience says is those organisations which value and nurture people are more likely to see people evolve and develop within that organisation and move on to other things. If And if the other things don't exist, they might move on to somewhere else, but potentially will come back. Right with a different set of experiences because they've had a positive value experience from that employer. And they, they, you know, they become brand advocates. And that's another aspect of credentialing which doesn't often, often get talked about is that, is that the credential itself becomes a, a, you know, a brand recognition for, for a certain standard and for a certain... Uh, so, so a company's um, given someone a credential, or they've gained a credential, sorry, there's a better way of doing it. It's been... Mm. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the company basically assessed and said, yeah, that's right, here's the credential. That person could then share that out on social, mm -hmm. which has got the company's name yeah. on it, saying, what a great employer I work for, and look yeah. at the training I should received. Yeah. So, so and you could argue, in its loosest terms, it's, it's always free marketing to say, look, 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 who, look who I work for, yeah. and you know, look at the training I'm receiving. It's, it's really interesting. I went to a company the other day. Um, they were buying my car off me, and the guy that was going through the process of purchasing my car off me, behind his desk, he had 12 paper certificates, um, sort of sellotapes to the wall. And I kept thinking, that would be much better as a credential <laughs> yeah. that was posted out onto social media where other people would have seen how much that organisation was investing in his training needs. And instead... They're just sellotaped. They're like a printed-out sellotaped version. Can I, can I pick, up, pick up on the back of that, then? When he leaves, I'd love to know if he takes them down and takes them to his next employer and, and, and sellotapes them to the wall again, because my argument would be probably not. Yeah. But then, surely that's another huge benefit of these credentials. So are we working towards a world where, you know... Kids from the age of, you know, well, as soon as they start school, almost get a learner number, and we follow that right the way through. To, I know people are now worried about sort of the data and stuff, and I don't want to get into that. But in a, in a, in some ways, that's a, that's a that's a great thing to have to be able yeah. to say, I did, I was in the Cubs, and I did this, this, and this, and then I did trampolining, and then I do this, and now I'm at work, and now I've got these skills. So you know, a real history, uh, a rich history of that person's experience. It would be lovely to get to a place, a state where, as an individual. Would you not, and you can opt in or out of it as you choose and how you choose. Um, and by the way, I think we can do that now, can't we? Yeah. As in, people yeah, can say, absolutely. I only want to share this badge, this badge, this, badge, this, mm. this credential, this credential. Yeah, totally. You own it. As it's, you know, it's your badge, you, your credential, you do with it what you want. I think that in the future, as, you know, like now, for example, you interview, for, you interview somebody for a job now. 
the chances are, if it's a professional job, you're going to go on LinkedIn and have a look at their profile. Yeah. You have a look at who, who their connections are, you look at the sorts of groups they're part of, you look at any endorsements they've got, you look at how they're posted, you look at their behaviour, you look at their career history, because it starts to give you something different to maybe the image that you're getting from a paper CV. Yep. And credentials, all they do is start to give more flavour, more colour to that individual. Over time, it'd be lovely to have your own personal learning locker where your own stuff sits. Mm. And you choose what's in that, and you choose what's not in that, but you choose that, and that becomes a place where you know that certificate that you did. When I left school, I was a painter and decorator, and I did my craft certificate with City and Guilds, and I haven't got a clue where it is, but I really like it. You know, I get to my age, I think that's a really yeah. interesting and novel piece of bit of my life but as it, all it was was a little scratchy bit of paper which I probably lost now and I've got no way of proving I did it or not no. but if in the digital world that becomes part of me and it stays with me for as long as I want it I to I think it also enables you know slightly drifting away from our classic customer base but it enables us to unearth skills and behaviour in younger people that at presently just kind of go unmissed I had this fantastic conversation with a leadership company who was saying leadership is is this strange thing that when you're young and you're at school people will show natural leadership capabilities Mm. and that often gets dampened by somebody saying that child's too extrovert or too loud or whatever it might be and it gets dampened and most leaders don't establish that they're a leader until they're 50 and then they're going to retire in 10 years time Um, and they we were talking to them about using credentials to un to actually recognise mm. these kind of skills and behaviours in young kids that would help remind them that they have these skills and capture them much earlier on and allow them to channel them into the workplace rather than not realising they've got them until they've done 20 years mm. in the workplace. I'm just thinking, so could this potentially scale? So could we have sector-level credentials, for example? So in something like I know, hospitality... If, if all of these different companies are, are creating their own credentials and all pretty much um, um, measuring, for want of a better word, people in the same way, can they not all work together? And then people isn't, moving isn't, around isn't the industry Isn't that what used to be the apprenticeship framework? Sorry, I shouldn't, we, maybe I shouldn't be political. But the reality <laughs> of it is, is that we, we have done that in a paper format before. Um, and there's, you know, there's, there's arguments for and against doing it in a structured way because the, one, the moment you introduce a single standard it becomes very difficult to say which is the right standard for the employer and which is the right standard for the individual based on the work that they're doing, hence the changes in the apprenticeship system now. And I think what credentialing does is it's because it filters down and boils down to looking at an individual's behaviour in terms of what they've done, it allows you to start to say, well, I want these characteristics. I don't want that person that's got a certificate to prove they've done that job. But I want these characteristics because this new job that didn't exist five years ago when the framework was created actually is made up of these behaviours and these skills. And I know that, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to look for the credentials that give me that person rather than saying, have you got a level four in such and such? Because that level four in such and such might not equate to the job that I'm doing. And that's very relevant in the modern corporate world where we are talking to people about the fact that the rate of change and transformation in business and the fact that that's now an iterative thing rather than an A to B location, that it means that they're needing to hire more people based on personal attributes and characteristics 
over sometimes whether they have hard skills or qualifications because they need people who are able to learn faster, be more adaptive, cope with change, all of those kind of things. And that does enable them to then recruit people more effectively based on those softer set of skills and not the hard qualifications that their CV displays. I, th- I think I think you're probably probably getting to a closing point. For me, the issue is 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 we can't apply the old way of thinking around credentials and overlay it against what were the qualification structures because all we do then is recreate the qualification structures that went with it. What we have to start to think about is how we're going to look at talent and how we want to recognise, use, harness, develop talent in future. And credentials are re- give us a really good way of doing that. They give a really good way of codifying sets of behaviours and experiences and skills and that, uh, then enable us to recognise and value them and create those currencies which people can buy into either employers or as individuals as, as, as who are earning those credentials. So, so just on a very practical level, so we're talking about digital credentials. So how do we, how can we gain those as in... Is it just by completing a, a number of pieces of e-learning, for example, or, or are there other ways that we can prove that you know someone has met this standard? So, so tell me through how practically that would work for, say, an employer who wants to start credentialing. I, I would say that it, it, you don't go all in. You don't kind of go, well, these are, this is everything that we can do. You kind of pick off things in smaller um, chunks, and that will ultimately depend on who you are as an organisation. If you're a more safety-orientated environment, you may start off with some of your safety subjects and the behaviours that sit around that. Um, If you've got a very robust and well-used competency framework, you may decide to start off there. You may even decide initially just to start with a couple of key programmes that are critical to the you know the ongoing change or success of your business and you want to be able to recognize people's success within those programs um, and grow them out so you don't go all in you kind of pick things that are easy for you to work with and and start to to grow out from there and the ultimate goal should really be that it's then ingrained across the learning and development hr and talent process so that you're creating this cycle between the autonomous learning being done by the learner and how you recognise that, the fact that they're doing that independently from any major structure or objective, that it's being recognised as part of the learning and development strategy, and that all the rest is then being picked up as part of the talent process and how that's then recognised as part of the talent process. So so you two are obviously quite experienced in talking to clients about credentials and understanding where they, they might fit in. What if anything, are you, are you hearing about what are concerns people have got? So, for example, is there a concern that once I've almost said, yes, someone's hit this standard, if they go move on and work for someone else, are they going to question whether I was right to say that if they don't see that? Do, do, do you know what I mean? What, what sort of things are, are people worried about? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. I think you're right. One of them is, is around um, the fact that that brand recognition of something does carry on to another employer. Mm. And, it, and that sits around the same nervousness as to why people don't give thorough references. They just say, yes, I work. you worked <laughs> yeah. there for X time. So, yes, I think that nervousness does um, exist because they don't want to be held account to the fact that that person may not then exhibit 
those behaviours and skills Which is odd, because you think they would want to be recognised for having trained them in the first place, wouldn't yes. you? Yes. And so that for that reason, you may initially not start with the soft stuff. You may start with stuff that's more tangible, more measurable, so you can feel confident in what, what's going out um, in, into the public domain. The other concern is this sense that you're going to pat your mate on the back and give them a credential. Um, and prevent. that's an easy thing to prevent in that the way that the system is set up and who issues those and the standards and the framework um, that underpins that prevents that process of you patting somebody on the back and giving them a credential. And what, what about for you, Fanny, then, Jez? What, what's stopping people getting started? I think it's like anything. It, it's, um, it requires a bit of a groundswell of people to go, that, do you know what, this is valuable and useful. And I think that it's a, you know, show my age again, it's a bit like VHS or Betamax, which way do I go? You know, there's lots of different platforms, or there has been lots of different platforms around it. And I think they're starting to get filtered down now into yeah. into a couple of key players in the market. So that will change things. I well, also, the cream's rising to the top of it. Well, you could, you could argue that, that. You could argue that. But I also think there's a, it's this, a, this, a, this the fact that also that HR and learning and development as, as you know, as a professional body is sort of catching up with the digital world. I wouldn't say they've necessarily been on the front edge of change and the front end of, edge of accepting or embracing what techni- digital technologies have to offer. Um, but we're seeing an awful lot more organisations starting to not think about digital technologies and learning technologies as part of that separate to their learning strategy. They're starting to see it as being their whole learning strategy. It's, it's actually it's just a delivery mechanism. And I think that over time, one of the key things will be when, when organisations start to look at how do they create a digital credential system which supports their talent management strategy. Because that ultimately, when they start to see that, like IBM do now, is a really good, or, a good way of creating that groundswell. If you want to continue the conversation, you can catch up with us on Twitter, where we're at Kineo. We also have a webinar on digital credentials, making digital credentials work for your L&D strategy, which is on March the 26th. You can sign up for that at kineo.com.